Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Let's go into the Word of God. I'm going to preach tonight a message that God really placed on my heart for today. And I have simply called it Heart of Revival. The Heart of Revival. I want to talk to you today about having a heart for revival. And I'm going to read uh, a scripture from the book of Romans chapter 8. So if you would follow with me this passage, book of Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 27. This is what Paul says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This is actually a great thing to remember when you're going through tough times. That in comparison to the glory that God has for us, this is nothing. And it's worth going. It's worth persevering. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Somebody needs to hear that today. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. That's a good point, right? I'm just checking if you're here. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for, we, for what we do not have yet... We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Yeah, this is a bit of a difficult passage, but we will unlock some special keys that are inside in this passage. And I believe you will be blessed tonight. Again, tonight I'm speaking about the heart of revival. See, I believe that God is the God of revival. You know, we often use the word revival kind of lightly. It's a word that often lost the meaning, the deep meaning that we see in the Bible, in the scripture. But we understand from the Bible that our God is a God of revival. Can you say amen to that? Amen. What does it mean? It means that he, he would breathe life into existence. He did that, right? He did, he did that with the first man, with Adam. He breathed life into the form and, and thus the form became a living creature. He, he breathes life. He awakens. If somebody is asleep, God is in the house to wake him up. 
He does that all the time. The Bible says, wake up a sleeper and Christ will shine to you. He wakes people up. He revives. Uh, he resurrects. When people die, Jesus was there to rise, raise them up from the dead. See, for God, revival is a normal activity. Can you say this with me? Revival is, for God, it's a, it's a normal activity. God being God just revives people. That's his normal thing. He resurrects. He brings life. He would breathe into us of his divine spirit. This is his normal, usual, standard activity. The problem is that we, the people, the cities, the churches, the nations, the countries, we are often so distant and resistant to his reviving work. God never is the problem. We are the problem. When we do not experience his reviving presence, his reviving power, the problem is always on our side, never on God's side. Now, what is revival? I'm going to give you uh, three simple definitions, Miro's definitions of revival. Here we go. Number one, revival is a season of God's visitation. Revival is a time when God simply visits his people. He shows up without warning, abruptly. He comes, he shows up because he has a special agenda and we welcome him. Amen. Uh, number two, revival is uh, a time of acceleration of his purposes. Revival is a time when actually it takes less time to do what God wants to do as usually. You know, I, I believe that God wants to accelerate the things he does in our generation, in our, in our nation, in this city, in Budapest. The things that would normally take decades, I believe that God wants to do them within years. The things that would take years in your life to develop, God wants to accelerate. He wants to do rapid stuff, rapid growth, rapid advancement of his kingdom in our generation. That is revival. And revival also is a wave of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters, breaks in, breaks through, and just brings a fresh wave of the presence of God. That is revival. Revival is God's normal, usual, standard activity. He brings life. He resurrects. He brings uh, the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. It always originates in our hearts. Then from there, it manifests in the church. And out of there, it operates out on the streets, in the open, outside. Can you say amen to that? Amen. It starts deep inside in your heart. Then it manifests in the church. But it's meant to transform the society. That is revival. Now, uh, in the passage uh, we read... There is one word that is repeated three times, and it's groaning or to groan. Now, because for many of us, English is our second language, I'm going to explain a little bit what groaning means. It's, uh, it comes from the Greek word in this passage, uh, the Greek word stenazo, stenazo, which means to sigh, to murmur, or to pray audibly. 
groaning. Um, let me just give you a bit, a bit of my definition. It's groaning is making sounds when overwhelmed by heaviness. Can you help me with the sound? When you groan, what do you do? You go like, oh. So you're overcome by heaviness. You're like, ah, oh, that is groaning. Here is another one. Groaning is expressing the emotion of being burdened by something. I'm not sure if I like this sound. Here is another one. Groaning is vocalizing the feeling of pregnancy. I don't want to hear any sounds here. <laughs> That is groaning. It's when your inside is twisting and shifting because you feel the heaviness, the pressure. It's rough. It's heavy. It's difficult. And something is moving inside. Something is twisting. You're feeling the pressure, the burden, and you're expressing the anguish by, more, by groaning. Now, the first thing that the Bible says here that is groaning, it's the creation. Verse 22, we read, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Did you know that the creation, the world, the created world, the cities, the nations are groaning under pressure, feeling the pain. They're expressing the anguish. If you listen carefully, you would hear the city of Budapest groaning under pressure, under heaviness. If you walk around in the city with your eyes open and you look into the eyes of the people, you would see the anguish in their eyes. The creation is groaning. See, I often do that. I walk the streets of the city with open eyes and with a sensitive heart and I always hear the cry. I want to encourage you to do the same. Just look into their eyes. The homeless person who resigned on his life and there is no hope. The refugees who have no sense of belonging and no vision for the future. Do you see them? The parents who have no idea how they could provide for their family. The youth you know, they went to yet another party this last weekend and they're still not satisfied. Everybody groans. The prime minister groans. This pastor groans. Your boss groans. Your school teacher groans. Everybody hurts sometimes. Everybody cries. Everybody hurts sometimes. They recognize the song. From 1992. If you're old enough, you would recognize the song. See, this world is full of people who never experienced love and acceptance and they groan. Many of them went through trauma and possibly incurable disease and they groan. There is people that just want to leave. They want to leave their marriage. They want to leave um, their family this country, and some even want to leave this planet, this world. There is people unreconciled with God, and they enter eternity without God every day. Do you hear the groan? 
See, I love the fact that God hears that groan. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, he tells Moses about this. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. I love the fact that God is concerned. I love the fact that he hears, he sees, he feels the pain of our generation. The question is, do we hear the groan? So this is the first groaning we read about in chapter 8 of the uh, book of Romans. Here is the second one. The first one was, the creation is groaning. This, the, the, that was the first one. The second one is, we are groaning. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Did you know that? That we also carry that burden, that heaviness, and we groan as well. As Christians, as born-again believers, we carry that groan within us as well. You know, very often uh, the church is like a hospital. You know, I would love the church to be like a mighty army going out into this world just, you know, to save this world, bring them to Jesus. But we often are like a hospital. You know, I get the phone calls and believe me. 90% of those phone calls are not like encouraging phone calls. Like, Pastor, I just wanted to give you a call today just to tell you how much I love you. I want to encourage you. Hallelujah. What a beautiful day. I almost never get those phone calls. You know what kind of phone calls I get? 99% of the phone calls is the groaning people. The stuff they go through, the pressure they face, and it's the disease and the addictions and financial pressure and all of that stuff. See, uh, I want to see an army, but oftentimes we get a flock full of broken people. And we are tired. It's incredible how, how often I hear this. Pastor, I'm just tired. I cannot take it anymore. We are tired in a warfare. Fighting our own victories. I'm not going to show for, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. But so oftentimes the tiredness comes from fighting our own victories. Over temptations, over sinful nature, over pride or character issues. You simply fight and in that fight you get tired. And then you fall and you rise again. And then you fall and you rise again. And then repeat. You fall and you rise again. And you get tired. And then you get tired in your faith and in your ministry. And the groaning will come from that kind of tiredness. You evangelize. You do missions. You do outreaches. You plant churches. You reach new territories. And you get tired. You invest a lot. And maybe the fruit that you see is not actually so much. And then maybe you experience people backing off, turning away, hurting, slandering, and you get tired. When you go through that process, the tiredness grows and the groaning begins. 
You feel forgotten, forsaken. Am I preaching to anyone tonight? Maybe you're more spiritual than this. And then sometimes we groan under the hand of God. We enjoy His healing touch. Amen. When God puts His hand on you and healing flows. When you feel that He is actually embracing you with His hand. His loving, tender touch. We all love that. But when we actually resist His hand, when He wants to guide you and you resist His hand firmly, here we create the pressure. See, uh, in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, there's a, an amazing scripture that actually says that God wants to lead us the easy way. He wants to lead us with His eye. He wants to sort of uh, just take it, the, you know, the light path, the easy road. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. If you are married, you know what I'm talking about. When your wife gives you the look, it's like three people are married. Because you're laughing. Thank you so much. And then the Bible says, do not be like a horse or the mule. I hope he's not talking about the husbands here. Which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and brittle or they will not come to you. In other words, when, when it doesn't go the easy way, then God has to increase the pressure. And we resist that. And this is the way we actually get tired as well. And we are groaning in the school of God. When He teaches us obedience and character, intercession and discipline and generosity... And when you go through that season and you experience the pain and the hurt, you groan. And the good news is, it usually depends on you how long your lesson takes. If you learn quickly, the lesson is short. But if you don't learn quickly, then the pressure increases. So we have the creation groaning. We have us, the church, the children of God groaning. There is another person groaning in this passage, and it's in verse 26. Read this with me. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, this is amazing. It's not only the city, the creation, this planet, this generation that is groaning. It's not just us that are groaning. It's actually the heart of God as well. The Spirit of God is groaning as well. See, God has the ability to feel the pain of His kids. It's called the mercy of God. He has the ability to feel what you go through. That is His compassion. His heart is compassionate. His heart is like a huge sponge. It soaks everything, the suffering, the pain that is around us. The afflictions. When we hurt, He hurts with us. You know, many people are asking, where, where is God when all of the bad stuff happens? He is right there and He suffers with us. Can you say amen to that? The thing is, God also has to reconcile 
what's happening with his holiness. Because nothing evil, nothing sinful can actually enter his presence. Nothing demonic, nothing ugly can actually enter his presence. So this is, it's, it, is, it is so strange. On one side, he is drawn to our pain and suffering. On the other side, he must keep the standard of his holiness. And so he calls and he waits and he is waiting for us, the broken, suffering humanity, to respond, to repent, to return. But I want to emphasize this today. The spirit groans with your tiredness in ministry. He feels your pain. He walked in your shoes. He felt the rejection. He felt the scorching sun and the heat, the sweat and the tears and the loneliness. He prayed alone. He was hanging on the cross alone. He understands and he is groaning. But there is yet another beautiful dimension of this. When we read about the Holy Spirit groaning uh, in us. See, this is what the Bible says here that he groans with wordless groans it's like I'm sure you have experienced that when you're praying and you cannot find the words anymore then Holy Spirit comes and he he inspires you to pray with groans oftentimes it's with the new language and you are praying in the Holy Spirit like this it's like there is a hidden activity of the Spirit of God inside of you being stirred. And you feel like inside of you, God is rising up. He's shifting something. Now, it's actually funny, but Paul mentions here that it's like childbirth. This groaning truly is like childbirth. And uh, believe me, I heard the sounds. I was there multiple times. There is nothing like it. That groaning will give birth to something new. And this is the exciting part. And this is, as, as we close, I want to stir us up. Because when you go through the groaning, something new is about to uh, be born, be released. The more groaning I hear, the closer the delivery is. The stronger the groaning, the closer the birth is. And I want to suggest to you guys that the Spirit of God has been groaning in us. Over this last year, God has been groaning in us. Something was shifting in us. Something was moving, stirring passionately in us. God is releasing a fresh sound. He's releasing a prophetic sound. There is a fresh wave of his normal activity, of his reviving activity, his reviving presence. This is what we call revival. It's like we are carrying inside of us something fresh that God is birthing. Revival. We are carriers of his reviving presence, of his reviving Holy Spirit. And this is when 
The hospital is becoming a maternity ward. And babies are going to be born. A new generation will arise. And it's like I hear God groaning tonight. And he's saying, keep pushing. Something good, something from my heart is going to happen. Is going to be released. Now friends, I believe that we are in this place because others were groaning. Others were stirred. Others were birthing the revivals we are experiencing now. But it is, the, it is our generation's responsibility to have that passion, have that groaning, have that burden for the next generation. We are here today for those that will come after us and we are releasing that presence of God, that reviving presence of God for those that will come after us. Now we groan, we pray, we push for others. So as we wrap this up, guys, the world is groaning. Then the church is groaning. But also the Spirit of God is groaning in us. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sound? I want to challenge you to hear the sound today. God is stirring something within us. He's stirring a sound of revival within us. Now, revival will not come in a cheap way. It's always a gift, but it comes through that process of a generation that carry the presence of God and groan under that heaviness and then release it like a birth. I wonder if the piano player could come. There is a story in the Old Testament about the prophet called Elijah. Um, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And uh, so he's addressing the pagan culture of his day and he speaks to Ahab the king. And basically with the authority of God he tells him, Ahab, I'm going to close the tap. There's going to be no rain for three and a half years. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives. Neither do no rain for the next years. Except in my word. Imagine the authority this guy carried. The power, the anointing inside of him. That he spoke with. There's going to be no rain. Dry season, hot season, no rain. And so for three and a half years, there really was no rain. And then you would remember the momentous experience on, on Mount Carmel. When the fire comes from heaven at the word of Elijah. It consumes the sacrifice on the altar. And uh, paganism is destroyed and, and the priests and the prophets of Baal are killed. And what follows after this, Elijah calls the king once again. And he tells him, get ready. Rain is coming back. The rain is coming back. He said, get ready. You're going to have to run. Go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. And so Ahab went off to eat and drink Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel 
he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Now many have uh, called this gesture of Elijah a birthing position. Uh, it's hard to imagine for the men, for us guys. But what he did was he went into his prayer posture. He bent his knees. He put his head between his knees. And I believe he was praying for the rain. And then he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. And so the servant went. He looked. He said, nothing. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Imagine this. Elijah is there praying. He's in this birthing position. He is groaning in his spirit. He is carrying the burden, the fire. He's carrying that inside of him. A passion for that generation. A passion for the God of Israel. He is there. And he tells the king, the rain is coming. I hear the sound of the heavy rain and nothing. Seven times, nothing. And then finally, number seven. The servant comes back and he reports a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. I see a small cloud. And Elijah knows the time is here. And the rest of the story is, it was a whirlwind of miracles, the visitation of God. And then the next generation in the prophet Elisha being raised up with a double anointing. Now guys, I believe what God is doing in our generation, in our house today, He is groaning. He is, His Spirit is stirring something within us. And I hope you hear the sound. I hope you hear the sound of revival. I hope you hear the sound of awakening. His Spirit being stirred within us. I see a small cloud. There's going to be a sound of heavy rain. I wonder we all could stand tonight as we close. Friends, we are called to be a revival generation. We're not here to play church. We're not to just do some program to kill Sunday nights. We are not even here just to hand out ice creams. We are here to carry revival. Let me say this again. We are here to carry revival. I'm going to need a bit more amens from the crowd. We are here to carry a move of God. You know, we often say, we often say that we are not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. We're not waiting for some distant revival to move to Budapest. We carry it. We carry the flame. And I want to say that prophetically tonight that I hear that sound. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the sound of the mighty rushing wind. Just like they did in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. I hear the sound of heavy rain like Elisha, Elijah hurt on that day. And it's going to start by our spirit being, being um, shaken and moving and groaning within us. And so I want to close with 
um, I want to close with a challenge that a young man gave to his generation more than a hundred years ago. His name was Evan Roberts, and he's now known as the man who ushered the Great Welsh Revival in 1906. He was 26. 26. Just uh, working in the mines of Wales. He went to Bible college. And then he just came back to his home church on a, week on a weekday, on a weeknight. And he started to speak. And the, the, the months before, years before, he was praying that God would visit Wales with a revival. And history tells us that for three months after that, they could not stop people coming, repenting and getting saved, coming to Jesus. History tells us that about 100,000 people in the next three months gave their lives to Jesus. Not only that, they said that all of the pubs and taverns in that vicinity were closed. They said that all of the horses that were working in the mines, they stopped working because they could not follow the orders of their uh, lords because they used to curse before. Now they stopped cursing and the horses did not understand their masters. And within that short time, Hall of Wales was actually changed, transformed by the power of God, by this beautiful revival. And I believe that what Evan Roberts said back then, it carries power for today. He said four keys. And I'm closing with this. Four keys to that revival. Confess every sin. Number one. Can you say this with me? Confess every sin. That is the first thing. Don't tolerate any sin in your life. Don't tolerate anything ungodly in your life. Confess it. Bring it to Jesus. Live a holy life. Amen. Here is number two. Forgive everyone. Say this with me. Forgive everyone. Don't carry any grudges. Have an open, have a big heart. Have an open heart. Forgive everyone. Forgive them before they do something wrong to you. Heard that? Forgive them before they do something bad to you. Forgive every... Here's number three. He said, obey the Holy Spirit. Say this with me. Obey. obey the Holy Spirit. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the Spirit tells you, just do it. Don't argue with Him. Don't rationalize. Just obey the Holy Spirit. And number four, confess Christ publicly. Say this with me. Confess Christ publicly. Speak about Jesus. Don't be ashamed about Jesus Christ. Speak about Him publicly. Now friends, I believe that we need to carry that in our spirit. I wonder if there is anyone here that wants to carry that burden for revival in our generation. That groaning presence of God deep inside in your belly. You want to carry that burden for this generation. This generation is groaning. We need to be groaning because the Holy Spirit is groaning. He is a God of revival. Yeah, so just for a moment, maybe for 30 seconds, let's everybody just lift up the name of Jesus. Let's just start praying for, simply just pray for a fresh wave 
of revival in this city, in this generation, in our time right now. Come on, church. Come on, just uh, switch into prayer mode right now. He's here right now with His presence in a special way. In a special way right now here. And, and He's simply looking for vessels, carriers. He's looking for people who just like Elijah would carry that presence would carry that passion, that fire inside of them. Revival carriers. He's looking for normal people, ordinary people, who would carry that presence into their surroundings. I simply want to give you that challenge. If you want to be that carrier, I want your hand to go up. In Jesus' name, just, right, just raise your hand to Jesus. Like, yes, Lord, I want to be like Elijah, like Evan Roberts, a carrier of your reviving presence right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Use this generation, Holy Spirit. Use these young people in a special way, God. Come on, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Come on, all over this room. Just surrender fully to Him. Surrender fully to Him. Surrender fully to Him, yes, Lord. Use us, use us, use us. Use us as carriers of your flame. And in Jesus' name now, I release that passion, that fire, that anointing of the Holy Spirit on, on this group right now. And I release that presence, that heavy rain. I release that heavy rain, that cloud that is small like one one hand I release that right now in the name of Jesus over this city over this city over Budapest right now in Jesus name I declare Budapest this is your time Budapest this is the time of the Lord's visitation Budapest this is your time this is your season the time for revival is here the place for revival is now this is the time of His visitation right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.